0: Good evening. So I heard you wanted better, longer, slower, more satisfying sex. Fantastic. You've come to the right place because the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show is now two hours long. It is still the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath. I am a registered nurse. I come to you every Sunday evening to host this show. But I have been hosting for nearly four years, just over three and a half years, and I absolutely love it. I love all the people I've met along the way, through the airwaves, of course, and uh, the people I've met, some very interesting people through this work that I'm passionate about. And I am very interested and serious about raising awareness about sexuality. I have to say... Hats off here to the big wigs at CKNW for having an appreciation for health education through the lens of sexuality. Sexuality is diverse and deeply personal. Understanding our sexuality is about the sexual feelings and attractions we feel toward other people. It's not about those who we have sex with, although I am very interested in that, and I do cover that on the show, and feel that is important in terms of this education. Tonight I'm going to tell you about a few stories, mainly about the women that I've seen this past week at some of the London Drugs Clinics that I'm holding on sexual health. I I was in North Vancouver, and I was in South Surrey this week, and there are four other clinics coming up the week of March 14th. And you can book yourself... And a little appointment with me if you have anything you want to talk about, uh, about sexual health or or sexual health or sex <laughs> or sexuality. Uh, so starting March 14th, I'm at some other London drugs clinics. And on the 14th, in fact, I'm heading out to Delta at London Drugs 5237 48th Ave in Delta. And the clinics run from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. And you need to call that particular London drugs, to make an appointment. So if you're out there in Delta, struggling with an issue, uh, sad about your low sexual desire, Peroni's disease, premature ejaculation, if you're a guy, and all of you have it, I know. Anyway, um, I'm also heading out to Langley at the London Drugs 1B, 202, 202, 0266th Ave, March 15th from 3 to 7 p.m. And then I'm going to New Westminster on the 16th, and on the 17th, I'll be in Vancouver. So by all means, feel free to book an appointment. The the consults are free, and uh, there's lots of education to be had, and I'll definitely write a blog about you for sure, or tell uh, your story on the radio. Uh, But of course, I will uh, make it so that nobody will ever be able to identify you. Uh, So that's great. And here we are, two hours, more, better, longer sex. Now, keep in mind, should this show stay up for more than two hours, you may have to go to the emergency department <laughs> and have <laughs> an injection into your... No, never mind. I'm kidding. Bad sexpert joke. Okay, so tonight on the program, I'm going to tell you about the stories of the ladies. None of the women were having sex with their husbands, although they all wanted to stay married. Go figure, right? Anyway, these are mysteries. Lady number one, complete depletion. She was absolutely exhausted. She had nothing left at the end of the day or even in the beginning of the day. Lady number two was not attracted to her husband because he had gained weight from head to toe. He had a really large abdomen. And and I said, do you think, is he good looking, you know, his face? (laughs) She said, well, it's fat. Okay. So you've got to keep yourself in good shape. That's the theme of lady number two, but we'll go into that further because it's actually quite an interesting story. But I'll get into that a little bit later on in the program. Keep in mind, put the kids to bed, grab the glass of wine. We're having sex for two hours tonight. Lady number three, she did not, even enjoy sex, but she wanted to stay with her husband. He had other plans. Anyway, so he went and um, sought it elsewhere, but they're trying to work it out. And she just did self-describe as persistent, low sex drive. So a lot of people... Have low sex drive. I'm an Irish Catholic nurse, and I'm going straight to hell. Anyway, <laughs> and my guilt quotient was way up after speaking to these women. Nonetheless, I've also been working on uh, writing a book, a sexual health book. I said to a patient who I saw today, I said, "Oh, I've, I've finished my book," and she said, "Oh, that's wonderful, Maureen. And who's this book for? Is this for medical professionals?" And I said, "No, it's it's like for you. You know, it's about you." Pat is what I said to her. <laughs> anyway, it is Patient Stories. And uh, so hopefully that uh, book will launch, come out, have its coming out party in May. I already have my second book underway because I'm always like 10 steps ahead of myself, never mind anybody else. We're also going to talk about tantric sex. I mentioned put the kids to bed, right? Okay, because uh, use your discretion in terms of listening to the show tonight. So. Have some information. Uh, I'm going to be talking about an expert in tantric sex. We're also going to talk about sugar and the effect on your sex life. I might even sing the song, that song, Sugar. Ba-na, can we get that going, Mike, on the show yeah, can later get it going on? For sure, yeah. I heard that yesterday. I do want to say thank you so much to Mike. Great to see you again, Mike. You're back here. It's great to be back. Oh, fantastic. I missed you last week. Yes, I missed you as oh, well. Thank you. Well, of course. And now we're. We're longer, we're better it's true, longer yeah, we're better. enjoying it way more anyway <laughs> it's going to be great, so you can stay with me after nine o'clock if you can stay up. I actually was over to Qualicum Beach this past week speaking to super seniors no super sexy seniors. They are the healthiest seniors in the entire country, and they're the most seniors, most of them like Qualicum Beach has like forty nine percent seniors. I felt so young. Anyway, I felt like donning a bikini and laying on the beach. <laughs> it was freezing. <laughs> um, but anyway, they were fantastic. And uh, I forgot what I was going to say about them. Looks like I'm lo- losing my mind a little bit. But, uh, no, they were great. And we have to educate at every single age. should be surprised at what people wonder about. Also going to talk about the Zika virus and the warnings about pregnancy. And there's been so much interest, I cannot believe how many emails I get, about threesomes. So there seems to be a lot of interest in threesomes, and everybody knows what they are. And, you know, guys, number one fantasy. And usually they get that over with in their 20s or 30s, you know, but some persist, and they continuously fantasize about it. And, of course, the guys want the MFF, or the FMF, two females and a male, and the women... Who enjoy sex prefer two men (laughs) and a woman (laughs) anyway so but you know what who cares about that we know that I like to try to talk about something new so I thought some people might be nervous about threesomes because they really don't know how to do it so I'm gonna cover that with some new positions for threesomes okay that might make this work that is gonna be way later in the show of course Uh, But prior to that, we're going to bring things up a little bit. And Dr. Joe Finkler is an emergency room physician, and he joins me. He's a colleague of mine and friend, and he joins me. And we're going to be talking about advanced life support. And some of you may, in fact, need that after two hours of sex on the radio. Nonetheless, that's what the show is going to be about. I do have a prize to give out in honor of the two hours tonight, of course, and so I went shopping in my guest bedroom, chest of drawers and closet and shelves and where I have stockpiles of sex toys, and uh, (laughs) anyway, and I do have a prize, the rest I'm bringing with me to Montreal, they're getting, they're looking at it all here, anyway, I do have a prize, and it's a Bijou Indiscreet 21, 20, it's a uh, ladies personal vibrator. Anyway, it, it's diamond shaped and it has 21 different points uh, for sensation on it. So it's a great little thing. It's really pretty, which is what I'm I'm quite visual. Uh, so that's a great thing about it. Um, so you give me a call. <laughs> it's visual. <laughs> looks good. People are just going to think there's a diamond on your night table. Uh, anyway, it looks good and you can call me for it. But um, we have to come up with some, uh, like the fourth caller. You think, Mike? The fourth caller. Yeah, so the fourth caller. All right. Oh, maybe we should have the third caller. Like the third, because we're doing kind of threesomes tonight. Third caller. That's like my lucky number. Three is my lucky number. And six and nine. Can you believe that? Like, I'm not kidding. Those are my favorite numbers. Anyway, and um, (laughs) that's just a coincidence. I promise you. So you can call me for that. 604 280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You can always email me with your questions. And um, the email is sextalk at cknw.com. And I'm going to answer some of your other questions that you've had in the past couple of weeks for me. So I'll get to the emails as well. Uh, But right now, We're going to go to a little bit of a break, and when I come back, we're going to talk about how to enjoy sex just a little bit more using the tantric method. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Okay, welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Of course, tonight the show goes for two hours. Should you have a problem and still things remaining up, then just head on over to your emergency department. Fortunately, we have an emergency room doctor joining us a bit later. But right now I have Chris on the line because apparently she has won the fabulous little sex toy that I have here or massager. Hello, Chris. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, fantastic. You are the third caller. That's excellent. Thank oh, you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. This is this is the perfect pleasure vibrator. And you know, I'm going to have to start I'm going to have to start giving these out more frequently because according to the clinics I've been hosting, <laughs> these women are doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll enjoy
1: it. It's actually for my girlfriend who just told me to call in and here I am.
0: Oh, so you've called in for somebody else. Your well, actual I, girlfriend or friend yes. girl. Um, that's a girl. Yeah, um, both. Partner and friend. Oh, of course. Okay, yeah. that's the problem. A lot of these people in relationships are acting like friends, and they always say, aw, he's my best friend. And I'm like, aw, red flag, danger zone. <laughs> Not good. Uh, he is my girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Well, you know, you both can use it. Exactly. You can share it. Yes, two for the price of one. <laughs> Woven together like Tantra. Anyway. <laughs> Perfect. Well, wonderful. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Okay. Have a great evening. You too. Thanks a lot. Oh, and uh, just let's give your information to Mike. He'll tell you where to pick it up. Okay. All right. Cheerio. All right. Welcome back. Well, I did call my tantra expert and not available. I do believe he's probably having tantric sex right now, which is why he's not here. But nonetheless, we're going to carry on because that's what I do. I am in this field, so I'm going to do my best to educate you about Tantra. Tantra is a Sanskrit word. It means woven together. And the Hindu and Buddhist meditation practitioners use this sexual union as a metaphor for weaving together the physical along with the spiritual. So weaving woman to woman, as in Chris's case, or man to woman, and humanity to the divine. And really the purpose around it, and and historically, is to become one with God. So the Western form of this sacred sexuality called Tantra teaches slow, non-orgasmic sexual intercourse. Not to worry, you're going to get to the orgasmic sexual intercourse. So many of the couples that are in my practice who have actually tried Tantric sex, and I actually first learned of Tantric sex um, from some patients who had spinal cord injury. There was a practitioner, one of the patients was a practitioner of tantric sex, but they find that they are able to cultivate incredible sexual and sensual pleasure, and they also attain a sense of dissolving into one another, and they find this to be profound and loving beyond belief, well beyond that, he's my best friend kind of thing. So really the purpose around Tantra is to become enlightened. It's not really carnal gymnastics. It's really, you've got to think of it as uh, pleasure and peace and calm and a sense of really being in the moment and, and really just absorbing that moment and taking that other person in. So one of the exercises is you want to face your partner or partners if you're If three of you are engaging in Tantra and you want to gaze into each other's eyes with your clothes on, that's how it begins. And you really just want to focus on the eyes and this actually keeps you intimately exposed. So some people may find this, uh, you know, a little unnerving. And so you can look back and forth if you want, but, but you really want to look into the eyes because of course the eyes are the window window to the soul so you're looking into each other's eyes then you add on the breathing and you want to breathe together and you're breathing in slowly and you're exhaling together so you're inhaling in your nose and out your mouth when you exhale and that's the best way to inhale and exhale right through especially if you have anxiety I know I'm getting a little off topic but if you're anxious about something to calm yourself down Nice big breath into your nose, right down to your gut, and then exhale slowly. Then you want to move into the breath exchange. So what you do is it's kind of an opposite thing. You inhale when your partner exhales, and then exhale when your partner inhales, as though you're breathing each other in. And you want to do this for about 10 minutes. I mean, some people who practice Tantra go on for hours. So to take it into the sexual tantra, you want to do the same process, but you remove your clothing. And then you'll sit on your partner's lap, face the partner, wrap your legs around each other's waist, and you want to do the breath exchange again, but you want to move into that kissing, a long lost art, and that caressing yet another lost art in these busy, busy days we have in these these lives of treadmill on steroids but you want to begin slow intercourse over time, but you need to continue that caressing and that kissing and you maintain the eye contact as the, the great thing about this is, and I'm a big proponent of experiencing orgasm and teaching women to how to, and that it's good to, and that it's beneficial and that's what you want to do is experience orgasm. But Only about a third of women experience orgasm, and 70% of women require clitoral stimulation to experience orgasm. And that is a very important information I, I learn when I speak with women with low sexual desire because they don't understand that. So if you practice Tantra, and as you become more proficient, you can develop the ability for a prolonged orgasm. Now, I know with a lot of women, they're just trying to experience orgasm. Some don't recognize it. They don't know what it is. Um, But it's very important. It is something to work, to attain, so that you can have that pleasurable experience. It's not just about one person. Two people are in this together, or maybe three, maybe four, whatever, floats your boat. Uh, But for men and women, there is certainly a variation on multiple orgasms. You can remain at the peak of ecstatic pleasure without climaxing, and I I realize that. One does not have to... uh, does not have to have all of the processes occur to experience pleasure. But there are certainly feelings of typical orgasm. But with Tantra, you may find that that orgasmic pleasure, where you remain at that peak without climaxing, lasts for a long time. And that is very enjoyable for a lot of people. And so people may or may not have that traditional orgasm but this actually according to tantra which is a sanskrit word it leads to that profound sexual and emotional merging a merging of the souls the merging of the two it's the deepest connection and reconnection you can really have and it's you know we live in these overscheduled lives as i said and we rarely stop and intently focus on the person that we love or the person we're attracted to And so practicing tantric sex can enhance your relationship and your sexual pleasure, and that's what it's all about. But you know what? Sometimes we have to stop, we have to take notice, and we have to give some time to the person we love. And tantra is a great way. When I return, I'm going to bring in the emergency room physician for some cardiac resuscitation. I'm Maureen McGrath. Please stay with me. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Well, welcome back. We're here and we're talking about sex for two hours tonight. We're going 8 to 10 p.m. A lot of times I get calls from you folks out there at like 9.05 or after the show's over. So you can rest and get your courage up to call me about your troubles, your problems in your relationship, intimacy issues, sexual pain, erectile dysfunction. Uh, by all means, no subject is off limits for me. So I'm happy to discuss anything. Um, and uh, yeah, there's no no shame, no judgment, and it may help somebody else. And so if you want to call me, you can call me at 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I don't bite, but you probably wish I did. <laughs> I won't bite. Okay, so we're going for two hours tonight and uh, sometimes sex can last too long uh, or the erection can last too long. So that's a problem. But often erection problems may mean there's an issue with your heart. So I've invited my good friend and colleague, Dr. Joe Finkler, into the studio. He's an emergency room physician to talk about his thoughts and ideas around an advanced cardiac life support protocol. Thanks so much for coming to the show, Dr. Finkler.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Maureen, for having me.
0: You're welcome. Glad you turned up. (laughs) Some didn't. No,
1: (laughs) It's always great of you. I'm not an expert on tantric sex, sorry.
0: Well, now, aren't you? After you learned that, didn't you learn a thing or two in that last little educational session? Did but you listen?
1: I, I listened, but I don't think I've got a s- certificate that says I'm an expert. I guard. will
0: award you one, not to worry. <laughs> not to and worry. you can go around and say, I'm a tantric specialist uh, <laughs> in addition to an emergency <laughs> physician. I'm kidding. Okay. So this is a very serious subject and uh, cardiac arrest is, of course, a very serious situation and heart is related to blood flow, is related to sex lives. And so tell me about how you want to advance the advanced cardiac life support yeah, protocols.
1: So, so, Marie, maybe I'll, I'll start uh, where I got interested with the story it relates to a patient. And um, it all comes back to uh, working um, about two years ago in February of 2014. Mm-hmm. I was finishing a night shift, and uh, it's quite busy, so I'm cleaning up a lot of uh, patients that are involved in altercations, uh, and uh, and
0: uh, in the emergency department, in the
1: emergency department of yeah. Saint Paul's Hospital, uh, who also are recovering from intoxications from drug and drug and alcohol ingestion, and so quite busy. And we get a, a page overhead that there'll be a, a resuscitation or what they call a, a cardiac arrest arriving in so many minutes—ten minutes or something like that. So I'm trying to prepare my head for this as I'm, you know, fixing up people who are um, injured. Uh, on one side of the department, I come over to the other side and there's a, a young man who was uh, partying the night before and had uh, been ingesting a bit of alcohol and maybe using some uh, drugs, uh, became uh, profoundly hypothermic and had a low blood pressure and heart rate. And uh, when they transferred the patient uh, into the resuscitation room, uh, I asked, uh, what is his blood pressure and heart rate? And there was none. And he had suffered a cardiac arrest just as and he was being transferred. How trans- old was he? Uh, I would say... Uh, between 35 and 40 okay so, so someone I would consider young uh, in, in medicine um, so uh, we we resuscitated him according to our standard of protocols and it means that we start breathing for him compressing his chest uh, analyzing his rhythm giving him medications and all that sort of thing and then we measured his uh, core temperature and it was uh, quite low n- normal uh, body temperature is uh, 37 degrees Celsius, and his temperature was around uh, 27 degrees. So so I I knew that the uh, most efficient way to warm somebody up in cardiac arrest is actually to put them on uh, a uh, heart-lung bypass machine. We call this extracorporeal membrane oxygenator. It's the same type of uh, device or similar uh, type of device that's used in the operating room when people have cardiac bypass surgery to replace uh, clogged arteries, on the surface of their heart muscle, or replace heart valves, or even a cardiac transplant. It's a machine that uh, oxygenates the blood, and it pumps it back to the body.
0: And some people may uh, think of it as ECMO, may refer to it as ECMO.
1: Yeah, ECMO is another term. Yeah. E- ECMO is the acronym for mm-hmm. extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. oxygenation. Uh, so I thought that we had a young man in cardiac arrest. He was his... Uh, his resuscitation was refractory to our standard protocols because they they don't work very well when people are cold and the most efficient way to warm someone is put them on bypass uh so i i called the perfusionist at our hospital who who was on call for um in case they have a cardiac patient asked him if he would come in and warm up a patient if the cardiac surgeon would agree to help us put the special uh, lines in the large blood vessels in his groin and uh and so I said, just wait on hold, and I'll call the cardiac surgeon. I called the cardiac surgeon, and the cardiac surgeon said he would come in. So he called back the perfusionist. They came in. Uh, they warmed up the patient. They put him on the pump. Uh, his heart started beating within a couple of hours. His body temperature warmed up quickly, and he left the hospital alive, uh, totally functional, within about 10 days. Wow. So um, this was not a new therapy that I used. This is something that's been around, and, it w- um, and using this is indicated. But it got me thinking about this therapy and cardiac arrest, and and uh, I had sort of discounted this when I read this in the medical literature until I had this patient. And so I uh, I was sort of a bit stunned, and I went back to reading and contacting uh, people who are doing this across North America and elsewhere. And then I found out some of my colleagues in the hospital uh, we're interested in doing, uh, developing an advanced cardiac resuscitation uh, program to do research and, and develop protocols uh, to push the envelope at our hospital. So we got together and uh, we worked on this pro- pilot uh, uh, project to bring this technology to the emergency department at our hospital. And um, we, we've now uh, traveled around the world, taking courses across North America and in Australia, I just got back from another course in San Diego last week. And we're meeting with the people around the world that are, you know, sort of jazzed and doing this. Um, and the application of this technology in cardiac arrest, if it's successful, has, is probably the biggest game changer in probably 50 years. It sounds it, yeah. Um, so what people might not understand is if uh, you're standing on a street corner in a big urban center in North America and you collapse – and there's early uh, bystander CPR, and an emergency medical services activate, an ambulance brings you to hospital. Your, your chance of surviving discharge from hospital, all comers, um, would be about seven percent. Wow. And and that survival may not even uh, include uh, good neurologic recovery. In other words, uh, ability to return to independent uh, living. Uh, it, we're a little luckier here in Vancouver. We're almost a uh, double that. We're about thirteen percent and that's because of uh, great work that's been done in pre-hospital care with the uh, BC Ambulance Service and the Resuscitations Outcomes Consortium, which is a research group that uh, connects with a whole bunch of nodes across North America and around the world to study um, cardiac resuscitation. So they've done some things and changed protocols and tuned it up so we get slightly better outcomes here. Uh, In talking with my colleagues around the world, especially those in Australia who applied this protocol, uh, we can push that uh, survival rate with good neurological recovery from seven or thirteen percent, depending on where you are. Uh, they had outcomes of uh, survival approaching fifty uh, percent.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: So we're totally jazzed. Uh, so,
0: and cardiac arrest is one of the most commonest cause causes of death in every province in this country.
1: Yeah, and it's unf- and, and to be fair, it's the final common pathway which all of us will go through. Our heart will stop. But hopefully uh, when it's our time, we'll be old and we'll be peaceful and uh, we'll be at rest with the decision not to resuscitate. And uh, I have to sort of um, qualify what I've been saying is this, the application of technology will only work for uh, people who are... Uh, only have one single problem, and that 's having a cardiac arrest at that time uh, this, this won 't work on people who are uh, severely debilitated, had multiple uh, cardiac arrests, multiple uh, chronic medical problems, and uh, poor level of function to start with. Uh, the, the, patient selection is everything, and, and we 're trying to narrow the scope to deliver you know this very targeted medical therapy for a specific type of patient,
0: and how many patients do you think would meet this inclusion criteria that you're that you're setting up? Yeah,
1: for? so we in the wou- province, in the province, in the pro- Well, or
0: are you we, just going to do it, St. Paul's? It's to only going to be in
1: the lower lower mainland, yeah. and Greater Vancouver, because that time to transfer is everything. So, mm-hmm. we anticipate that there might be about thirty patients per year in the, in the Vancouver area who would be eligible for this. But if we can um, improve their chance of survival from uh, anywhere from 8 to 13% or 7 to 13% to 50 or 40%, that's amazing. So we'll have um we might have one extra survivor a month, which will be pretty amazing. So
0: That's phenomenal, especially if we're talking a 35-year-old or 40-year-old person who's otherwise healthy and has it sounds like maybe that night had just had just a bit too much partying under his belt.
1: Yeah, and and cold temperature. Mm-hmm. So um uh, yeah, and so we've um We've assembled a team, we've uh, met with the senior leadership at the hospital, we've got buy-in from the heads of our department, the heads of cardiovascular surgery, the heads of cardiology and uh, radiology, intensive care and cardiac intensive care, and we've assembled a team, and uh, we've got a protocol, Uh, we're borrowing a machine, Um, and we've made up placards, and we're practicing like a basketball team or a football team for when there's just seconds left on the clock and we can make the Hail Mary play. And, uh, and we're getting there.
0: And that's fantastic, yeah. yeah.
1: all on a shoestring budget of nothing. <laughs> Darn,
0: <laughs> it's always about the money. Well, uh, you can certainly a- a- apply for funding, which I'm sure you're planning to do, and it sounds like a great project to do You know, to save lives. And anyone who's been impacted by something like this will certainly understand it and the devastation that goes along with it as well. Absolutely. Well, it's fantastic work, and what I love about it is that I know how busy you are and I know how hard you work in that emergency department at St. Paul's and that you, I'm sure a lot of this is on your own time and, and it's just this passion of yours and you're driven by this to, to change lives and improve health outcomes for people yeah. in British Columbia and beyond.
1: Yeah, and we're we're really lucky, Marine. We have a great team. I'm I'm working with colleagues. They're probably one of the greatest drivers. This is my colleague, Dr. Brian Gruno, and and Jim Christensen, who is a major cardiac resuscitation researcher, who is local and at the hospital and chairman of the uh, academic department of emergency medicine, UBC, and. And Dr. Grunow's provided tons of research support and logistical support and spearheading us. So we we have a great team of uh, committed, small group of committed physicians who are yes, doing this on our own time and nurses as well. And another colleague who's helping us rehearse this in the simulation procedure, but. Like all great things, you know, you start small.
0: A- absolutely. I wish you the best of luck. If I can help in any way, you know, give you a million dollars or something, I can write you a check tonight.
1: Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure if uh, your uh, um, listeners can survive a uh, tantric sex, uh, they probably have excellent uh, cardiac function. There's no need I think to. think
0: they do. Exactly. Especially when they think, you know, the check will bounce. I'm going to give it to you. You do with it what you like. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Well, thank you so much. It's great work. And, you know, this is, uh, I don't think people realize just how hard healthcare practitioners, physicians work and, you know, do extra things and under stressful conditions and all in the name of good health and advancing advanced cardiac life support, which has been around for hundreds of years, but we have very little progress. It doesn't change much over the years.
1: Yeah, since since the 1960s, this might be the biggest game changer.
0: Be fantastical. We'll keep it up. I had to say that it's a sex show anyway. Thanks so much, Doctor Joe Finkler, emergency room physician. I'm Maureen McGrath. Stay with me. We are continuing this show. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. Well, that's a perfect song for the next subject that we're bringing up here on the station. Since I have the fine doctor here in the studio with me, we got talking about sex toys and sex toys in all the wrong places. So, Dr. Finkler, thanks for staying with me and helping out, providing some education on where to put things. And they're not necessarily always sex toys. As I told you about a story that one person, patient that I knew of in the emergency department presented with a pool noodle in his rectum. So, It's a rather large (laughs) item. You didn't get the whole thing up there, but the diameter of it is is a problem. And I have a question later that I'm going to answer about anal sex for men. But nonetheless, that is painful. But can imagine putting a pool noodle up? What that's like? And can you tell me about some of the patients who have presented to the emergency department that have put? What do they put up there? And and then we'll go into the education around it.
1: I think I've hauled out uh, fruit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and, and vibrators mm-hmm. are, are, the, are the commonest. Uh,
0: okay. How about light bulbs? Because I've heard of light bulbs. No,
1: I haven't pulled out a light bulb. Yeah, yeah. And uh, someone, I uh, uh, had a patient who had a water bottle uh, up there. Which okay. Which caused uh, a bit of grief.
0: All right. How about gerbils? Or is that an urban myth?
1: It could be an hermitish. I have not seen any live animals. Yeah, I haven't I seen. The, I don't see any. I
0: haven't it. seen the live animals either. Do you think they would survive that? But uh, but people put a lot of things up. Like I I do recall one young man, in his twenties, and he had sat on a coke bottle. No, he of course he had jeans on. No, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't sit on the coke. Yeah, we that's didn't believe what people him. Say. Yes, yes, they do. Um, so, what is some of your advice for, and and we should talk about why. Uh, people put these into there.
1: That's a great question. You know, I, I think I've stopped asking why.
0: Have you stopped asking why? Yeah,
1: yeah, I, yeah. I just ask what was it and where is it.
0: Yes, yes, and of course I ask why. Yeah, of course we know the answer, <laughs> but I just like to know the more circumstances. And um, so, would you recommend putting certain things?
1: I would recommend putting anything (laughs) inorganic up there. How about that, Marie? If that helps you. I I mean, my general advice, uh, uh, if you put it in, make sure you can get it out.
0: Exactly. And and, and
1: remember, uh, some things can go into uh, an orifice but won't come out the same way. So I've I've seen uh, people caught with their their penis in the neck of a a soft drink bottle. So just because or or a shampoo bottle as well. So just yes. because it can go in doesn't mean it can come out.
0: And that's what I think surprises people. They think, "Well, I got it in. Fantastic." <laughs> now to get it out, that's a whole other problem. And then they may not they may delay a visit to the emergency department because they are embarrassed. Uh,
1: absolutely. And sometimes uh, people will Uh, register with something and just say, um, uh, you know, I have trouble peeing or or something like that, or I'm constipated or whatever. And then so there's a delay because they're not triaged appropriately. Something like difficulty uh, urinating or uh, constipation that would go low and you'd wait a long time. And meanwhile, obviously the people are in discomfort.
0: That's right. And it can cause some damage as well.
1: Absolutely, we've had people go to the operating room and have bits, parts of their intestine have to be resected as if, especially if it can't be removed uh, manually.
0: So there's an impact, no pun intended, on the healthcare system as well. The pool noodle had to be removed surgically, and so that's that's a lot. You know, you're expected to go to work the next day, and you have to have surgery the, the night before, unexpected. But the other thing I want to say is, healthcare pref- professionals are confidential. So you know, you, you, one should be able to. Give appropriate medical information, whatever it is. You shouldn't be ashamed of anything when you turn up to an emergency department and tell your story. I mean, people are, but which is too bad.
1: You know, I think we we, we usually figure it out. It usually takes a few sentences, but sometimes when people pull their pants down, oh, yeah, now I understand what you're talking about. Exactly,
0: and there's no judgment. You're not even asking why they, why they are. You're just accepting it, moving on, and dealing with it.
1: Yeah, no, I remember uh, attending a, a meeting in um, Chicago a few years, the American College of Emergency Physicians, and this uh, doctor was reviewing how to get foreign bodies out of orifices, and he showed an uh, X-ray of someone who had a, uh, a fish hook up his penis. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put my hand up, and I asked him, "Did you? Uh, why did the guy put a fish hook up his penis? I I I never bothered to ask. I don't ask anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, obviously, it's for t- it's pleasure.
1: It's for... I, I don't think there'd be too much fishing there. You
0: know, it's not, I don't know what he was fishing for, but, and, but people don't understand their own anatomy, and so they might think that would provide pleasure, and it, and it doesn't. So, what are some of the if somebody's going to put something inside of them, what would be some of the rules as a doctor?
1: yeah so i you know i i get it the people have different uh, sexual practices and I'm not gonna judge if you're gonna put a i think a vibrator in uh, in your rectum then just make sure that you can still grasp it like and uh
0: maybe one finger breath around
1: uh yeah and it, it can be really it can be really difficult because the um the handle is actually quite slippery so you actually grasp it actually pushes it forward
0: that's exactly right yeah so it's it's a it can be problematic but just know what you're getting into and or know what's getting into there and i
1: think i would avoid the water bottles and and noodles i think that they're
0: the pool noodles definitely not not do not try that at home and do not yes uh, there's a number of things that uh would be problematic but there are some sex toys that um that are okay for their prostate massagers and there are some things and they're not too expensive that people can order and uh, if they want to increase uh sexual pleasure that way
1: And I'm not sure if some of them come with um, uh, a string or a thread at the end of the handle or not. Or a
0: flange. A lot of them come with a flange, which is great. Yeah. And you can always add dental floss. Like, I go through tons of dental floss for my patients, of course. Uh, No, but you can use dental floss and and maybe tie something on um, to... A device that you're putting in or whatever so you're able to at least put some traction on it and take it out of course i put a lot of pests uh, i fit a lot of pessaries which are not a sex toy but they're a, a device to support organs that have fallen out of women's pajamas and um but anyway i'll put dental floss on so that they can pull on it to to remove it for servicing so anyway well thanks so much for that little tidbit
1: and don't be embarrassed uh i am sure all of our emergency physicians have, have delivered uh, some sort of uh sexual device and We know how to do it.
0: Exactly. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining me in the studio today. And uh, when I come back, we're going to get on to sugar and spice and everything nice. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. Well, the show usually ends at 9 o'clock sharp, but we're going longer tonight. So thank you so much for staying with me and uh, a few things coming up in the second hour of the show, the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, if you've just tuned in. am going to be talking about sugar and the impact on your sex life. I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be answering your emails. I'm going to be telling you about some of the patients that I have, some of the sex or the no sex or the kind of sex they're not having. I really don't know other ways to describe it and uh... no judgment it's just trying to understand so if you stay with me we're going to delve into a lot of these subjects and uh... so when i come back we'll probably start out with something sweet i'm maureen mcgrath you're listening to the cknw sunday night sex show we're going for two hours now i'm a registered nurse and blogger researcher clinician i have my own practice at six six oh two main street in vancouver i'm also in clinical practice in north vancouver on Lonsdale. You can always email me, sextalk at cknw.com. You can call me, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. If you want to call me tonight, by all means, feel free. You can ask me anything you like about your sex life, your relationship, maybe your divorce or moving on or a rebound relationship or sexual desire and i'm going to cover some of those stories tonight after i talk to you about sugar now sugar has been around for a long time it was actually first thought i love history and uh, so i love looking into the beginnings and how this came to be uh, sugar was actually first used by man in polynesia and then it spread to india But in 510 BC, the Emperor Darius, of what was then Persia, invaded India, where he found the reed which gives honey without bees, otherwise known as white gold. This was a closely guarded secret, and until the finished product was exported for rich profit. Now, there's been some recommendations by federal agencies to tax sugar to help with the obesity problem that we have in this country. Lots of kids are are heavy and getting heavier, and a lot of adults are heavy, and a lot of people eat a lot of processed foods that are high in sugar. So sugar has been taxed heavily in the past. It was a luxury item. By the late 17th century in England, it was limited for the well-to-do, the aristocracy, the people who could afford it. Uh, it wasn't until uh, the middle of the 19th century that it became accessible to the common man. When It was actually in 1874 when the British government, under Prime Minister Gladstone, abolished that tax. And brought sugar prices uh, within the means, so it was accessible to ordinary citizens. So sugar is a big problem in large part because it is addictive, and addiction is just uncontrollable. It just lombs onto the receptors in your brain, and you—the more you have, the more you crave. And too much sugar will kill your sex life. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, but first I'm going to speak to Will. I have Will on the line. Hello, Will. Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. How are you?
2: Good, thank you for taking my call. I have uh, two questions for you, please. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Having sex, making love, what's the difference? It's a big difference, right?
0: (laughs) Depends who you're with. Uh, Many people will just have sex. Uh, you know, some people define it or call it one thing or call it the other. It's it's whatever it is to you. Some people may just want to meet a need and, and have sex, and that's what it is. And they can manage not to have any emotional connection. And other people may term it as making love um, because they do have that emotional connection with the person. They're very passionate about the other person. Or they don't necessarily have to be in love with the person, but just how the sex... Uh, it plays out, if you will, or the connection that they have and the satisfaction, the sexual satisfaction it may be felt that they made love, or it may be somebody you're in a long term relationship with. Many different yes, ways I, to define
2: it. I bet I did both right. You had was, sex
0: and you made love,
2: yeah, at the same time. It, <laughs> no, no, you can have them both at the same time because you, you're on the same woman, or two different women at different times, right?
0: Right, but making
2: love. And having sex, it's it's no such thing as a bad sex, right? But
0: no, there is such thing as a bad sex. Of course, there is.
2: No, I was gonna enjoy it, but it's not like love. Love, it's like it's like day and night for me. I don't know. It's a personal thing.
0: Yes, but but some people even love someone and yet they have bad sex with them.
2: How? How can be
0: that? That can be. I mean, the the cases that I'm gonna talk about a little bit later in the show that's what they all were they all wanted to remain with the person they loved them i mean i don't know how much they loved them or if they were in love with them and that kind of waxes and wanes over time uh especially if you're in a longer term relationship but they loved the person but they you had bad sex love to them,
2: with them, or they that... did
0: they did not enough you know 10 10 times a year perhaps which is the definition of a sexist marriage or or hardly at all or they were using it as a a way to control the person and they were just saying you know one woman was saying well I'm happy to cuddle but I I wasn't ready to have sex with him until I could fully trust him he of course had cheated and so it takes a while to regain that trust back and it's a it's a bit of a complex story but um I suggested that she have the sex with him <laughs> and for herself don't make love with him but she loved him and I said just have the sex for yourself and so, if if he continues to go outside of it, and she knew why he was going outside of it, of the relationship, then well, so be it. You can't you can't control him.
2: Can you love somebody and, can, and make can, don't make love with them?
0: You like, can I mean, love. Some...
2: Both healthy and both right. love. And I'm not you know true experience. I I mean, I like one lady who was the best friend. That's the only one I never. Because, I don't know, I never felt anything to her, just as a best friend, but not as a lover. Right. Yeah, it's a different uh, category. Okay, second question, please. I,
0: I just uh, wanted to say that, um, go ahead. you know, life happens, and a lot of times, you know, you're paying bills with somebody, or you're building a house with them, or raising children, or you know, so they might be drinking, or they may have had an extramarital affair, or, they, or you may have had an extramarital affair, or... You may have gone through a lot of problems with them and, and you lose that uh, that passion and, and you can also get exhausted. So there are so many reasons that sex falls off the table or, or and or making love uh, falls off uh, the, the plate. So uh, it's, it's complex.
2: Oh yeah, I know, it's com- but it's so simple too. Like it, I mean. Yes,
0: it can be very simple.
2: It can be very simple if you love somebody, right? That's right. I mean, you're not supposed to cheat, and I never did cheat. I wanna put lots uh, When I was uh, single, right? Mm-hmm. I'm single now, but again, but when I was single, I just even even like one night stand. You can cheat on this even one night stand because you gotta be with the woman you are. You have to be with her, right? Right. And that uh, because then I don't feel guilty about it at all. I was mean probably sometimes or. Not rude, but, uh, I mean, I never abused women in my life, not physically or mentally or psychologically or anything. Excellent. But uh, just walked walk away from it. Yeah, I broke my neck You a through to frogs, But I could never touch I The only, you know, the only time I ever did was slap my sister when I was <laughs> 15 years old, and that was the first time I left them. I could never do it again.
0: <laughs> oh, that's but, good. Okay, what's your second question, my friend?
2: The second question, boss, uh, It's my situation, like, okay, um, when I don't need it... sorry. Can I talk like this or no? You know, I think I'm, it
0: is an okay word. When you when you don't need sex, you mean?
2: Yeah, it's dead. Not dead. I mean, just... <laughs> it it, yeah, it, it laid down too low. And But I I, I get a prescription for... Uh, what's it called? Viagra. Viagra, whatever. And, and I laughed at it. I said, then I went to touch myself. I still have a little bit of ego from when I was a little bit younger. And, uh, yeah, it's it just... Right away, it was, you know, up an arm and ready to go. So, is that healthy thing or unhealthy or what?
0: Uh, to masturbate. Is masturbation healthy? Is that your question?
2: I don't masturbate. I never did. It, uh, since I was, what, I don't know, 14, 15
0: years okay. So, you don't masturbate?
2: Never did, no. You're the wait. first
0: man <laughs> that doesn't masturbate or doesn't wonder if it's normal.
2: Is so it bad or? I, I, I don't know. I just Masturbation
0: is fine. Perfectly fine. It's healthy it's not the same as being intimate with another person but it's certainly absolutely fine to do but you don't masturbate is that what i'm hearing
2: no i never I was you never did i quit too.
0: okay was there a particular reason that you quit and
2: i don't feel like i i need it you know okay I, okay do you have low libido Right.
0: are you do you have low libido low sexual desire
2: oh no it's Oh, no, when when I need it, it's there for me. Okay, I, but I see. When I don't need it, I don't use it. It's too damn small. Uh, not for, pro- yeah, I just average. <laughs> but when it's above average, when I need them, right? Right. What I need is whatever it is. I'm gonna be a little bit, uh, on a, you know, it's a box, it's a public show.
0: Yes, we're recording it as well.
2: <laughs> Are you recording?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no. Can
2: I ask a question, please? No, go ahead. For, uh, the show name is Sex. Show, yes, right?
0: it's the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, yeah, so you that. can talk about sex.
2: No, I know, but yeah. why you don't call it a love show?
0: Oh, the CKNW Sunday Night Love Show. Yeah. I mean, love doesn't sell quite the way sex does. I can't think of any other reason.
2: I mean, everybody can have sex, but very few can make love. I mean, that's you probably went through it. You're lady, you have experience, you're educated, you're, I don't know, probably good look at two. But <laughs> what I'm saying, making love and having sex, I, I try them both. Hundred times, <laughs> and it's it's a big, big difference.
0: There's a big difference. He
2: love. He always remembers this, but having sex, they can go and you know, it's a shower. It's over. It's done. I don't. That's my point of view. I don't know if I'm wrong because you have experience. You're the one
0: hosting the show, <laughs> so I must. Uh, okay. Well, you know, it's the Sunday night sex show. As it's largely about sex, and sex is related to everything. Love may not necessarily be so. But, uh, you know, there, there is quite a difference and, uh, um,
2: I, is, it better really or not? is what I better? Uh,
0: one, one, you know what? It's, it's to each his own, whatever floats your boat. Sometimes people will say it was great sex, but they weren't making love. So it's, it's up to each person, but.
2: No, no, your experience, you have, uh,
0: I don't, this show is not about me. This show is about you and all the listeners.
2: <laughs> no, about everybody, but from personal experience, I would say, like, I mean, I'm admitted, I mean, making love it's totally more enjoyable I mean you get from the top you're for mom, you you're shaking.
0: you know what for you and that's great it sounds like making love is better and good for you and it might be having sex is better for somebody else to each his own but thank you so much for your question I gotta go we gotta go to break thanks for listening okay when I come back we're gonna get into that Sugar, baby. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Love is always good. But this is the sex show. And I'm Maureen. I'm your host. I'm a registered nurse. Sex is related to your health. Sex is related to blood flow. And sometimes sugar may impact that. I'm not sure Emperor Darius knew that when he discovered this white gold back in 510 B.C., but high levels of sugar in your bloodstream can turn off the gene that controls your sex hormones. Now, if there if that's not a reason to stop consuming sugar, nothing is. So the sugars, the simple sugars, glucose and fructose, are metabolized in your liver. And the excess are stored as fat lipids. So excess fat synthesis deactivates your sex hormone binding globulin, or SHB. G, And that causes your levels of SHBG protein to drop dramatically. And it is this SHBG protein that controls your testosterone and estrogen levels. And of course, those are the sex hormones. Too little SHBG protein means your body will produce too much testosterone and... Estrogen, which increases your chances of acne, infertility, polycystic ovaries, uterine cancer, and heart disease. So, low levels of SHBG in a person's blood means the liver's me- metabolic rate is simply out of whack. And that is because of inappropriate diet or something that is inherently wrong. Uh, with your liver so this is based on a study that um, was done recently by Dr. Jeffrey Hammond and the study challenges the previous conventional thought that high levels of insulin are to blame for the drop in SHBG but it's actually the liver's metabolism of sugar that counts the most so I am not a big proponent of sugar I love sugar though it is addictive uh, and the sugar companies know that. But there's certainly, if you understand that sugar is addictive because of the devastating health impact it may have on you, you might be more mindful and more uh, inclined, motivated to reduce the sugar. So table sugar is made of glu- glucose and fructose and limiting your sugar will also help you to live longer and have better sex. Because when your blood glucose levels rise, they actually rise every time you have a meal, and that's natural. But we eat about two and a half pounds of sugar every week, and people don't even realize that they're consuming that, and that is far from natural. So with this kind of consumption of sugar, and it's in everything, candy oreo cookies oreo it's today is national oreo cookie day by the way just a favorite of mine they've been around for like 105 years who knew but they're just a fabulous cookie to eat because you can lick the cream in the middle of them take them apart i digress you see why this is a problem and sugar can be a big problem it can lead to high blood pressure and high cholesterol because the sugar increases your insulin and leptin levels and it decreases receptor sensitivities for both of these vital hormones. So that's what causes the heart disease, the diabetes, the weight gain, which will lead to you having less sex or make love less because somebody doesn't want to make love with you because you're overweight. It can also lead to premature aging and high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, weight gain, and of course premature aging can all lead to erectile dysfunction, decreased sexual sensation, and less pleasure when you're making love or having sex, whichever you choose. So controlling your insulin levels is what you wanna do. And this is one of the most important things you can do to optimize your overall health. And avoiding sugar is the way to do this. Now, a lot of people think, oh, I'll have grains. You know, I'll eat multi-grain bread, but there's sugar in multi-grain bread. So don't let the grains fool you. And also corn syrup, so high fructose corn syrup, is present in basically every single processed food out there. So I would say number one is to stop eating processed foods. Go back to the vegetable garden. No pun intended there. Um, Go back to the vegetable garden and uh, eat a diet high in vegetables. Even fruit has sugar in it. Even some vegetables have high glycemic index like carrots. Um, People eat a lot of citrus fruits, a lot of sugar in those. So you want to take a look at all the labels of the foods you have in your pantries or when you're shopping. The fruit juices are bad, the processed meats are bad, and this sugar is put in everything. As I said, it's um, linked to diabetes, obesity, and this is linked to quality of life. So you want to be extremely careful about this because if your blood isn't flowing, you're not having great sexual sensation, uh, that can be a problem. So how do we kick the sugar habit? Know that it's an addiction, number one. It's just like cocaine. No different than smoking. No different than shopping or um, alcohol addiction or heroin addiction. So that explains why it's so hard to quit indulging in it. But you can if you slowly wean yourself off uh, or you can try going cold turkey. You might have some symptoms because often if you notice sometimes if you have a big meal, high processed foods, a lot of processed foods the night before, your insulin levels are going to soar. The next morning, you're hungry. And that's a direct result of those insulin levels soaring. So there are many different ways to um cut down on sugar and when i say this to just slowly remove it out of your diet you won't miss it and you'll feel so much better but there's this emotional freedom technique uh that you can actually try um and it's it's actually a technique around being mindful and and actually uh when you're presented with that oreo cookie of life or a cupcakes you know those little cupcake stores i know every sweet there is so but i Really try and stay away from it. Um, you want to have your mind take over and uh, be mindful, and just really like slow, remaining calm and slowly turning away from it. So um, it's really, you know, it's not a great idea to feed your kids, at, especially at young ages, soda or um, pop, um, those high fructose drinks, the juices, people think fruit juice is healthy it's not water's healthy anyway stay up to date on the latest health news and um you know really look into it do some of your own research try and cut things down in look up low glycemic index fruits and vegetables and try and fill your plates with those all obviously you have some protein and low carbs um which will help because carbs will be stored in the body uh, as fat as well so Anyway, you can definitely uh, decrease this um, addiction that you have to sugar, and and deal with it. And you don't want, it, just don't even have it in the house. Don't buy it, anyway. But have sex in your house, make love. <laughs> anyway, when I come back, we're going to be talking about some of those other stories about women's issues around sex. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. I am your host. I wanted to get to your emails before I got to some of those stories about the women I saw at the London drugs clinics that I've been having, that I've been holding at various London drugs in the Lower Mainland. Um, So here's one email. I thought this was in line with what we were talking about earlier. Hi Maureen, when I'm having sex with my boyfriend, I find that anal hurts a lot. I'm a 30-year-old male and my partner is a 40-year-old male. What can I do so it will not hurt? So obviously he doesn't want to stop this. So he's enjoying this, having sex or making love with his boyfriend. Um, but uh, just for those of you who are considering or being pressured perhaps or has been requested for you to do anal, don't try it if you don't want to. So there's a big difference between I don't necessarily fantasize about getting a penis enema, but I want to blow my partner's mind, for example. But, um, you know, there's and also between I'd rather die than do this, but I can suffer through. So you want to just make sure that this is for you. Even if you're monogamous, a condom is a good idea because it prevents bacteria from the bowels spreading anywhere. Okay, so keep some baby wipes on the nightstand perhaps and never obviously use the same condom going if you're uh, doing anal with uh, heterosexual couples, never use, go from uh, vaginal to anal and back again. Lube, this is really one of the times where lube is so important, and the right lube is twice as important uh, as it is when having vaginal sex, which is already, for many women, very important. So, you may have heard that too much lube takes away the friction, and that it, that makes it feel good for guys having uh, anal sex but that's definitely not true so there's no such thing as too much lube in anal sex for men Um, so I would definitely try that for sure so I recommend Astroglide for example that's a thinner water-based lube and there's always the thicker ones which is something like KY Um, you want to go with some of the thicker ones because they don't dry out as quickly so, also you can try uh, Crisco. It's a favorite of the LGBT community, uh, but it's not good to use with condoms because it may eventually poke tiny holes in the latex. So, I'm uh, people don't like to use the latex-free condoms, but you can. Um, the oil-based ones are difficult to wipe off. Vaseline, I don't recommend at all because it deadens sensation on the skin, um, and it's not good for experiencing orgasm. So also relax your PC muscles, your pu- pubococcygeous muscles. Uh, so it's like the anal version of doing Kegels, in fact. So you want to relax them. Uh, and so really, you know, again, taking that deep breath in and then uh, exhaling as well. Uh, so it's very important. And you want to take it slow. You may have some, se- some sensations that you think is happening, but it's not, if you know what I mean. Positioning is important as well, and that may ease some of the discomfort also. So you may lie flat on your stomach or doggy style or do missionary, for example. So it's also recommended to go to the bathroom after you are finished. Uh, I know that's not something to help during, but uh, it's similar to a lot of women go to the bathroom after sex to avoid a urinary tract infection which there's actually no evidence to support that you don't have to do that anymore ladies but um you've also you know you've opened up your anus your rectum to sort of some little queefs so uh they may go on for a few hours because it's it's basically just air escaping so and if you don't like it never do it again if it's not for you it's okay to say that it's not for you okay all right so that is one question that i have had that i wanted to get to and uh so here's another question that i've had and uh so people are just curious and wondering and this lady asked, Dear Maureen, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on going outside of a marriage if your man isn't meeting your sexual needs? You've recently been talking about people going outside of their relationship or women having affairs or men having affairs. Well, what do you think of women who have affairs with other women when they are married to a man? And continue my girlfriend is not getting her emotional or physical needs met at home i feel really terrible for interfering in her marriage but i cannot go back now i have fallen head over heels in love with her am i the worst human being on the planet or if she's not getting it at home should it be considered okay to look elsewhere this is a really challenging question it's a great question sexual attraction is involuntary and you know it's really important in a relationship that your emotional and physical and sexual needs are met because somebody else may meet those needs for you and I think that life happens and this is life happens and somebody may be in love with somebody or may feel like they had the right stuff when they first Married them, um, but if someone's not getting their emotional and physical needs met, as long as it's respectful, and I mean it's difficult to live a lie, and that's a challenge, and I'm and I'm not condoning. Uh, affairs, extramarital affairs, I'm, but I'm also not judging either. I'm saying whatever works for you and as long as, you know, people are gonna get hurt, but if you can do this in the most respectful manner and, and communicate about it, that's probably what has happened here in the relationship with the husband and wife, that perhaps communication has broken down or Perhaps he wasn't listening when she tried to talk to him, or perhaps she wasn't listening when he tried to express something to her. There's always two sides of the story. It's very complex, but I don't think it's any different if somebody has an extramarital affair, whether it's with a same-sex person or somebody of the opposite sex. I don't, I think there's issues in a relationship, and, and maybe, and many relationships do break up, and, um, we can't help love. I mean, and you can't help attraction, and these things happen. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Thanks for staying with me for two hours, if you joined uh, at the beginning of the show. I wanted to tell you I'm, I'm holding some sexual health clinic for, clinics for men and women at various London drugs locations around the Lower Mainland. Um, I've done two of them this past week, and the week of the 14th, I'm actually out in delta and new west and various ones you can go to my website back to the to book an appointment you can phone each london drugs but i wanted to tell you about some of the patients that i see quite commonly that present with low sexual desire and that's probably the top reason people come to see me and it's men and women they don't necessarily come together but sometimes they do and but when women present and i three women in particular i probably saw about Fifteen or twenty patients over uh, two clinic days at London Drugs, and uh, three stood out because some of them were quite common um, issues. But you know, when they present with low sexual desire, I I never know what's going to be behind that. But there's always something behind it. And so the first woman was probably in her 40s, and um, she told me that she'd basically rather mop the floor. She was absolutely exhausted. She got up really early in the morning. I told her that the brain processes don't. Uh, occur the calcium burst in particular. There's processes in the brain. That's why we need to sleep. And the calcium bursts don't occur if you get up really early. And she wanted to get up really early because she wanted to exercise. And so she's stressing her, her brain as well. And she did that five days a week. She worked full time. She had a very responsible job as a, as an accountant or in finance or something. And she had three children. And of course she did a lion's share of the housework. And she was married to a man for about 15 years. And she just had no sexual desire because she was depleted. I could see that. Even it was, I think she came in around five o'clock and like she was already absolutely exhausted because her day is full and, and she also did gardening and she mowed the lawn. I mean, she did everything. And, but then she told me that, you know, it wasn't any of that. It was that, um, when her children were babies, when they were toddlers, her husband had an extramarital affair and she thought that they were having enough sex she knew now they weren't having enough sex they had it about less than once a month and but and she did want to do something about it she did want to stay in the marriage she loved him she did say she was so exhausted that she wouldn't actually even care if he had an extramarital affair now because it would get him off of her back so the, obviously this is complex she did everything in the house she made the bed she she uh, made the lunches the night before you know she's a machine she is just like doing it all but never doing it and she wanted to know how to get that back and so those are the kinds of things that you have to begin with self-care and you have to begin with taking a really good look at your life and everything you're doing and, and you know she loved everything she was doing she was really enjoying all of it but you can't do all of it and you're also doing a tremendous disservice to your children when you're not teaching them anything they're they're never going to learn time management skills. They're not going to learn how to make a bed or prepare a lunch or function for themselves or be independent. Pack their own suitcase, for example, when they go on a trip when they're 14. They're not going to be able to do that. So you're not really doing your kids anything. And in the meantime, you're getting depleted, and it's impacting your relationship. So she knew it had gotten to really low levels. And uh, she also felt it was physical, too. So for her, I recommended us to take stock of her life, take a look at it. Uh, uh, have a family meeting, delegate some of the responsibilities, not do everything herself, have the kids do the bathrooms. And I said, well, what about the bathroom? And she's like, well, they're a mess. And then she has to go and clean them up. And, you know, it's it's really disrespectful. So we want to raise functional people in this world and also make take some time for herself. And so for her as well, she needs to take some time maybe in the afternoon. I suggested uh, a vibrator. The one I recommended, of course, was the womanizer because... She uh, was a good candidate to use that, but also uh, Zestra, which is a plant-based botanical oil that's all natural that will help to increase blood flow to the clitoris, and so she was interested in trying that, and um, and also taking some time in the afternoon by herself, uh, ex- self-exploration, getting back in the habit of having sex, because that's really important, and knowing what feels good, and not being so depleted, so kind of delegating the duties taking some time off, not getting up every morning at quarter to five in the morning to exercise. I mean, her days were really... And she said by the end of the day, she was just done. So that fatigue can really impact it, but, you know, you're responsible for it. You have to take a look at your life. Get help. I did suggest she bring in some uh, exterior outside help in the form of a cleaning lady uh, or somebody to help with driving the kids around to all of their sports. And another lady that I saw... Uh, was in a relationship and they've been married for about 20 years or 20 little over 20 years and they weren't having sex and he well of course went outside of the relationship and and now they've had this sort of push-pull thing back and forth and she said she'd had long-term low sexual desire she never really liked it and and so now she's nervous because there were things that she wasn't doing that she feels the person that he's been having an affair with is doing but he wants to come back of course to her i think he wants the stability of a of a home and a a family and um but he also has a high higher sex drive and desire discrepancy is a big issue for couples and so she we, we talked about her i talked with her it was interesting because she was you know saying that she didn't really like to she didn't enjoy oral sex she didn't enjoy it for herself or for him she didn't really she liked to cuddle. She wanted to be able to trust him fully before they had sex again. I said, why? You know, what are you waiting for? You're never going to be able to fully trust him, and, and so what? I mean, what is that full trust going to do? Uh, you know, having an intimate relationship is so much more important. So she was using sex as a way to control him, in a way, and a way to have power over him. And But she wasn't really willing to do much, and... Uh, and, but she did come and see me, so that was a great start. And then of course I gave her the full meal deal. You know, okay, listen, you know, sex is, it has to go beyond the cuddling. He's not gonna be satisfied for that long with it. And, and he even said, if I, if I don't have sex, I, you know, I know where I can find it. He's ended it with the other woman, but he's perfectly willing to go back there. And so she really needed to become more sexual and understand her body and learn some Learn different ways to um, perhaps play some games and introduce some fun and make it fun for her. And I gave her some specific things that she could do and something in particular she could do to um, that she could do to make oral sex more pleasurable for her and for him. She was somebody who didn't care for body fluids anyway, so I gave her a treatment for that. But uh, maybe we'll get a little deeper into that next week. But she was willing, and she didn't even realize that um, how sex could be enjoyable and how there were different strategies. And, you know, she took it all down and was willing to try it. And I said, you know, never mind this waiting. Like, have sex with him. She was getting together with him the next night. I said, have sex with him tomorrow night. (laughs) Anyway, so maybe she'll email me and let me know that she did. And I gave her specific instructions on how to make it fun and to enjoy it and to just try certain things. She might like it anyway, and you should try some certain things because you might like it as well. Well, when I come back, we are going to a little bit more sex education, and then we're going to wrap this baby up. I really appreciate your staying with me this long. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Well, like all great sex, it has to come to an end. Even solo sex. Thanks for being here with me <laughs> for solo sex. Tuesday morning, I'm looking forward to heading to Qualicum Beach to speak to a Probus group, ProBus group. They're retired professional business people. They want me to talk all about sex on Tuesday morning. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, always come and see me at the London Drugs Clinics around this province in North Vancouver on Lonsdale on Thursday between 3 and 7. Make your appointment, call the store, and then South Surrey. I'm heading back to your hometown, Matt, on <laughs> on Friday. Um, so, and then various other ones, uh, New West and Delta and Vancouver throughout the month of March. I am, too, speaking at the Rio Theater. I think it's on April 7th. I'm so looking forward to that because that's, complete humor and it's just going to be a total blast. I will be giving away prizes uh, at that event. So, um, anyway, look, maybe I, uh, anyway, check that out. I'll have more information about that. Probably next week, uh, my TEDx Stanley Park talk on May 28th at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre and it's about the sexless marriage uh, which is uh, becoming increasingly problematic for people in marriages after they've walked down the aisle they say if you never want to have sex again get married anyway i'll have some uh tips for you so that's a warning for you matt i'll have some tips how to prevent that uh at the uh, queen elizabeth theater i don't know how i'm gonna do that but anyway <laughs> I, w- I just mean stand up on that stage in front of 2700 people or something but anyway i'm just gonna have to fantasize that i'm somewhere else fantasy is always good Uh, As I said, next week the show goes to two hours, so get your questions ready. Uh, You can always call me. You can email me, sextalk at cknw.com. You can visit my website, uh, backtothebedroom.ca. I did write a blog about Sadie Hawkins Day and a beautiful patient that I had. She was 93 years old and how she had a crush on a man who she thought was 70 years old. And it just lit her up. You saw the rosy cheeks, the life... She said, you know, she's 93, but she's never felt better in her life, and and she was in love. So love never ends. Anyway, thanks so much for being here with me tonight. It's always my pleasure to come to you. Until next week, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath. You have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.